today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Well, the pandemic has had an impact on just about every facet of our lives, including a charitable donation. So we certainly talked about that over the last couple of months with our CHML Children's Fund and the Tree of Hope and all the great work and charitable work that goes on around here. And philanthropy is a big part of that. But let's face it, it has suffered tremendously. And some very, very worthwhile organizations have been impacted by this. One of them is a group called War Child Canada. You may have heard of them. Uh, they have been around for quite some time right now. They're celebrating their 20th anniversary uh, and had big plans uh, for the last little while to raise money with some very important, very well-known people to try to do that. And then, well, COVID happened, and it's had a, a real problem, and it's, I think, showed some weaknesses in the whole system. Uh, Dr. Samantha Knight is the founder and president of War Child Canada, and she joins us on the Bill Kelly Show to talk about this. Doctor, thank you so much for the time. Glad you could be with us today. Thanks, Bill, and I'm, uh, I'm really grateful that you're covering this topic. Well, this is so very important, and as I say, during the holiday time when we raise money for our charity, our CHML Children's Fund every year, uh, we've noticed this. Just about every other uh, not-for-profit or charitable organization I've talked to has been impacted by this. And, and the tragedy about this whole thing, Samantha, is agencies like, well, like yours are doing some wonderful work around the world, but they do depend on financial support to do that. And its uh, I don't necessarily know that it's dried up, but it certainly has decreased considerably. It has, and the data supports this, too. I mean, even if you look at the work that Imagine Canada and others have done, I mean, they're finding that 70% of charities in this country have seen a decline in revenue, and on average, that decline has been about 30% of their sort of total expenditures. And at the same time, organizations, including our own, are being asked to do a lot more. I mean, as people become more vulnerable, more in need, um, whether you're working internationally or whether you're working on the front lines with uh, with homeless groups or uh, with food banks and that kind Kind of thing, or you know, kids' help phone. Uh, these organizations are uh, really under a lot of stress right now, and so they're being asked to do a lot more. But they have fewer resources at their disposal to get that work done. So it's uh, it's a complicated time. It's not it's not insurmountable, and I think we will all hopefully get through this. But it's um it's been tough. It's, it's definitely not uh, not not anything any of us imagined when we started uh, you know this time last year. That's for sure. Well, and, and what makes the, the, a bad situation worse like this is, you know, when we're in a global pandemic and there's an economic crisis that's of almost cataclysmic proportions, uh, not, not even to delve too much into the public health part of this as well, uh, this is when these agencies are needed more than ever, and, and the support's just not there for them. Well, and that's one of the challenges. I mean, Warchild was very uh, lucky in the sense that towards the end of the year, we did see a real boost in giving to our organization. People really did, I think, respond to the call that we put out, and we had a, a virtual event um, in lieu of having our, our proper 20th year anniversary celebration, and, and that raised uh, quite a bit of money for us. So overall, we ended the year in um, you know in the same position as we had in previous years, which was we were very fortunate for. But as we go forward, you know, you're absolutely right. These people are feeling crunched even more. The longer this pandemic dra- uh, drags on, uh, the more of an impact it's having, particularly on small to medium-sized businesses. People are feeling the pinch. And when um, when people can't give, charitable organizations suffer. And at the same time, including in our own work, you know, we're seeing those needs expand. I mean, we're really active, for example, uh, on look, working with refugees who are fleeing uh, the crisis in Ethiopia and arriving in Sudan. We're one of the few organizations on the ground um, that was able to mobilize quickly to those refugee areas the needs are enormous but even just getting attention for that kind of thing is right now is really really challenging understandably we're all focused on on keeping ourselves safe and our families safe and our own needs here at home 
And, and I'm glad you brought that up. I wanted to maybe back up just a little bit and maybe explain to our listeners who may not know exactly the, the kind of work that you do with War Child Canada. Yeah, absolutely. So we're an international humanitarian organization, and we work with children and their families on the front lines of most of the world's major crises. Uh, we do long-term humanitarian support to ensure that children and their families can recover from the trauma of war and become uh, self-reliant and self-sufficient. So we focus a lot on educational programming, catch-up learning, um, economic self-reliance, getting people out of poverty, and then also uh, protection initiatives, so access to justice, especially in areas that experience high rates of, of sexual and gender-based violence. So we do humanitarian work, but we take a long-term view of these challenges, and we work specifically with local communities. Ninety-nine percent of our staff are local, and they are leading the charge within those communities. And, of course, the pandemic's had an impact uh, there as well in terms of being able to mobilize when we need to support our, our staff, uh, make sure they have all of the equipment that they need to be able to stay safe and that kind of thing. So the pandemic has been uh, an enormous challenge. But I know we're not alone as an organization. I don't think there's a single international organization or domestic, frankly, out there that hasn't uh, been really wrestling with the consequences of the pandemic now for many months and, um, you know, and trying as best we can to, to hang in there and do the work. And, and we should also maybe remind people, too, that, uh, you know, we're talking about Word Child Canada, but when you're doing uh, such great work in places that, that you've just referenced, uh, uh, you're not there by yourself. There are many other agencies, and you get this this cross pollination. There's a lot of work that goes on in these agencies. You know, it's not a competition; it's a concerted effort uh, with agencies. I, I, I know that uh, when I was going through some of the material for this the other day, uh, a picture of you with Dr. Eric Hoskins, of course, who's a former member of the Ontario uh, government here, but uh, well known, of course, for his work with uh, with international uh, endeavors to try to improve the, the situations for people in places like this. So it's it's an ongoing. Uh, situation it's an ongoing commitment uh and and you've had some pretty good support over the years i know that you just mentioned about the anniversary concert that you had hoped to put on uh people like sting lyle lovett sarah mclaughlin and so many others were going to be part of that gala uh you had to pivot like everyone else has learned to i guess samantha over the last uh, 12 months or so yeah, we did, and so we hosted um, that same talent, participated in our virtual event in uh, early December, and, and that actually was, um, you know, look, at, there's nothing quite like the, the in-person live experience, especially when you're talking about that, that level of extraordinary talent, um, but, uh, but definitely are the people who participated. We had more than 7,000 viewers that tuned into that virtual event, um, and people were really generous, you know, and so that was, uh, that was quite, quite wonderful to see people donated and we raised uh, just over about a quarter of a million dollars so just over $250,000 which for a virtual event was um, was was pretty great and uh, you know again we're just I, I feel really grateful to to our supporters who just saw the need uh, particularly towards the end of the year and really stepped in and stepped up but um, but that work continues and this is always January and February this is always a First quarter is a tough time for every charity. We're back in lockdown. People are feeling a little more, I think, nervous all around and, and, and also even financially nervous and the impact on the economy. So, so again, on a, on a, on a go-forward basis, we're all, we're all just, um, you know, to, I think 2021 is going to bring a lot of the same challenges that we saw in 2020, and hopefully people will continue to support and continue to sink philanthropically as well. 
So how do we move forward? Or more specifically, I guess, how do agencies like yours move forward? I mean, you know, fundraising is always difficult, even in the best of times. And I don't even know if I can define what best of times are, uh, given what we're in right now. But uh, something comes along of, of, of the nature of a pandemic, or it could be anything else. It could be another world recession, like we went through back in 2008, 2009. Uh, and all of a sudden, you see the weaknesses in the system. Uh, it, it, how how do you address that and and it's with your organization but i mean with the everyone who's involved in this situation for doing great work around there that re, relies on philanthropy uh for things like this is there is there a way that we can redesign this system or or, or rejig it or tweak it to try to make it a little more sustainable yeah bill absolutely and there are a number of ways that you can approach that i mean one thing i think that this has exposed for a lot of people who work for charities but who give to charities as well is that you know we have this impression of um, you know what is responsible administration and stewardship of of donated dollars but the truth is you know charitable organizations do need to be investing in their infrastructure and they do need to make sure that they are setting funds aside so that they can maintain their programs if, you know, there is some kind of catastrophic or challenging event like this that happens. And so, you know, previously we had this this uh, sense that, you know, if you're giving to an organization, the lower their overhead rate, the better that that was a sign of how effective an organization is. And certainly mm-hmm. that can be a sign of how effective that organization is, but it can also indicate some of the underlying vulnerabilities of that organization if they don't have enough money um, that they're putting aside to maintain their infrastructure to, to set aside, you know, for, for more challenging periods. So so I would say that if you're a donor and you're wanting to know how you can personally help during these times, one is consistency of giving. Monthly donations mean that organizations can properly plan and rely on their donors and they don't have to spend uh, more money and more time and effort and energy chasing uh, new donors and annual gifts, for example. So regular contributions, even at the smaller level, are definitely definitely much more helpful. And I would also say encourage uh, donors right now to refrain from earmarking their funds too much. If they believe in an organization, believe in a cause and the work that they're doing, let them decide where that organi- where that funding will be most helpful, you know, which groups that they serve are most in need and right now um, would benefit from the help the most. And then the third part of what I would say, too, at least when it comes to international organizations, as we emerge from the pandemic, it is inevitable that one of the biggest casualties of this will be our official development assistance, our overseas aid spending. There's a sense that uh, we have to look after our needs here at home first, and, and I certainly understand that. But keep in mind that at least 67 of the poorest countries in the world will be lucky if even 1 in 10 of their population is vaccinated by the end of 2021. So the needs beyond our borders will remain significant, and I think it's important for us to uh, continue to to think about making sure that that those living beyond our borders are are not forgotten and that our you know humanitarian aid does matter um, and our government policies in that respect matter as well. Well, and uh, you know we certainly had that debate, or at least some people tried to generate that debate. I guess when the the, the word of the vaccine program started to, to filter down to us, I guess a few months ago now, that uh, you know let's look after our arms first. You know it's going to stay in this country, uh, and, but those 
I guess, intelligent people that had a much broader picture of this understood that until everybody, including people in, in third world countries, are vaccinated, uh, the virus and the pandemic is still going to be with us. Uh, and we need to look after that. And you, you need to take a much broader picture of that. And thank God most of the people in the world that were in leadership roles, uh, I think, concur with that. So I, I, I'm comfortable that that's going to happen. But as you say, we're still going to be in a situation now where you have to say, okay, what about the long term with this and the great work that a- or agencies like yours do? And, and I've heard those criticisms. I, I know in the years you've been doing this, Samantha, I'm sure you have too. Uh, the first question somebody asks, uh, you know, when they think, well, maybe I'll, I'll make a contribution, is what's your administrative cost? How much of my dollar is actually going to the work that needs to be done? Uh, and it's sometimes from what I'm talking, as I've talked to a lot of agencies like yours and others, uh, local and international, uh, it's not a black and white answer sometimes. No, that's absolutely right, and 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 again, I think it speaks to you know, it, it's always a tough call, right? When you're running an organization and you're receiving money, you want to immediately put that money to work, and you have tremendous needs that you're trying to juggle, and a lot of urgency, and so, you know, setting some of that money aside to um, help build your infrastructure, or maintain your infrastructure, and and you know, move to sort of more online capacity and all that kind of stuff, and and putting money, for example, aside into reserve funds. Um, um, that can help you a lot through periods like this, but but unfortunately, you know, it's 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 very difficult to do that when you're running a charitable organization. We are seeing though more donors now who who are really smart about this kind of stuff and who um, look beyond just the simple administrative overhead, and they'll say, okay, well, look, how can we help you manage your reserves? How can we help you uh, manage your investments so you're more self-sufficient over the long term? And, you know, and those kinds of donors are, uh, frankly, I mean, they're, they're amazing. Um, but they also are making a tremendous impact because they're providing you with stability and consistency right when you need it the most. And, um, and it feels like a huge, a, a, really a huge gift. I, I just this is a little bit out of your wheelhouse i just wanted to get your read on this though because so I, I saw a companion story about this the other day that uh in some instances actually uh donations are still increasing or at least leveling off uh from the corporate world but a lot of that seems to be going to uh to university and, and research institutes as opposed to some of the the, the charitable organizations such as yourselves uh is, is has that been an ongoing problem for a period of time to try to uh, attract and and maybe educate the corporate world that there's a a, a cost benefit uh, uh, to uh, to actually making contributions to agencies like War Child Canada. Yeah, Bill. I mean, I mean, absolutely. This is. Uh, I've been doing this work for. Well, I mean, I I graduated from McMaster University in uh, School of Medicine in 1994, and I've been doing it ever since. So, uh, 25 years plus now, and it's been a challenge since the very beginning. To be honest with you, I think that a lot of people, when they give um, as well, they're looking at legacy. They're looking at visibility. Yeah. I, I live in Toronto now, and you certainly can't drive down that University Avenue corridor without seeing a number of of hospitals and buildings that have people's names on them. That were big, big uh, legacy gifts, and and I certainly understand uh, the desire for that. But it, you do you do see donations concentrating around certain causes, uh, and and it's not difficult to understand why. I mean, in many cases, these are people who um, have affiliations with those hospitals. Maybe they saved a loved one or provided care when it was needed. Uh, universities, for example, that really provided a, a kickstart to their career or that they're really grateful for that opportunity. So I understand those 
those strong connections. And, and my message around that is always it doesn't have to be one at the expense of the other. We are capable of giving to a range of causes that speak to who we are as individuals. Um, and I liken it to having a financial portfolio. You wouldn't be all in with one particular mutual fund. Um, and giving should be that way as well, not to suggest that you spread yourself too thin, but recognizing that there are a lot of important causes out there. And when you um, give to a variety of them, then you're approaching these challenges holistically, and you are, um, I think, in my opinion, like more likely to have have a, a bigger impact well challenging to say the least of course uh, as we said the best of times but even more challenging right now uh and, and it's a credit to you and and, and your staff uh, that, that do such great work on this to, to be able to to overcome this or at least deal with the challenges anyway because this is work that we just can't say well we'll put that off until later every day every minute counts in some of these situations uh, absolutely, and we're facing that right now with our um, our team in, well, they were redeployed from Darfur, Sudan, to go to the border areas to help with the Tigrayan refugees who were arriving from Ethiopia, um, many tens of thousands of them, and they were arriving in very, very desperate situations. This was uh, as a result of the um, incursion that took place there and people fleeing. And um, and again, because of because of COVID, there were very few organizations that were, uh, that had a presence locally that could mobilize that could get resources in, that could be up and, and running in a way to pr- provide this, this much-needed support. You had a lot of children who were arriving unaccompanied, and so our team got to work. And, Bill, while they were there, um, you know, we had a situation where Darfur itself, again, experienced um, another uprising and uh, a, a fresh round of violence, and so some of our own staff have lost their homes um, as a result of that violence. So, so even, you know, even within our own team, uh, we're people who are, there are people who are living with war, who are also trying to help other people who are living with war, and it's just a daily struggle to make sure that, uh, that people are cared for and those needs are met. And I think, frankly, because of the pandemic, uh, we're likely to see quite a bit more of that in, in the months ahead, to be honest with you. Uh, we're seeing people who are really feeling the effects of, of, of poverty and the lockdown and um, and we are seeing, you know, parts of the world where violence is erupting and, and largely going unnoticed because, again, we're so focused on, on our own needs here at home and what's happening uh, within our borders, unfortunately. Exactly. And, and to hear some of those stories, it's, uh, it's really heartbreaking, which is why it's uh, so important that we have this conversation. Uh, Samantha, glad you could uh, spend some time with us today. This is so very important, and I hope we've raised some awareness. People can just Google uh, War Child Canada, by the way, if they want to get some more details about this. And I know there are links there uh, if they are so inclined, and I hope they will be to, uh, to support the great work that you do. Uh, continue good luck with this. Uh, stay healthy, and uh, let's stay in touch, okay? Thanks, Bill. And, I, I, again, I really appreciate you covering this, and it's been great to talk to you. Dr. Samantha Nutt, uh, founder and president of Fort Child Canada. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.